up, guys? Jared Morero here for Before We're 30. Uh, today is, what's the date, Chad? Help me out. I'm no good to you right now because I don't know the date either. July 3rd. July 3rd. The day before 4th of July. I don't know why I don't know that. Um, if you don't know, Before We're 30 is a podcast all about being in your 20s and trying to find success in whatever you do. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and almost all other places that you listen to podcasts. Um, and to my right, he talked a little bit already, but it's Chad. I'm Chad Henry. I go by Chad the Barber on social media and Instagram is my main source. I like to put out my pictures because you can see my work and content. So you should follow me there. It's lit. Um, so me and Chad, for those of you who don't know us, um, me and Chad have been friends for a long time, uh, but we sort of fell out of contact in the recent years, but it's fine. Uh, we got a lot of childhood memories and, and stuff together. Uh, but we sort of split off and, and found our own interests in career-wise, and that's mostly what I'm interested in right now. Uh, but Chad, before we get to career and all that, um, tell me about like a little bit about where you're from, how you were raised, stuff like that. I'm from Reynoldsburg, Ohio, and I had a. I'm the youngest of three. I was kind of a wild child and just enjoyed my life growing up, and wasn't kind of restricted to do a lot of things. So. That kind of gave me a ability to have no limit on what I do, which I noticed carried over to yeah. like my career today. Chad, uh, so I, I remember you from was it football we played together first, or was it wrestling? We did. We did. We Our did. brothers knew each other from wrestling, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we yeah, actually knew right. each other from that. Yeah, so we knew each other as little kids going to to wrestling meets for our older brothers. Uh, then we sort of started playing sports together, and, and that's sort of how we became friends in the future. Um, so when you were younger, let's start there. What did, what did you think you wanted to be when you were in, let's say like junior high? Junior high, I still was, sports was still heavy on my, heavy on my mind in my everyday life. I tried to be the best I could be in sports. So I wanted that to be in my career, but I also wanted to be like a firefighter. I knew that was a cool job. Like you get to work. 48 and then get off 24 which i that was pretty cool to me yeah <laughs> yeah that's, that's sweet so like the the we me and austin talked about in the first episode there's an interesting point in almost i think all males who are in the united states uh there's a certain point where you like where you're like i don't want to do sports for the rest of my life or i can't do sports for the rest of my life when was that point and how did you come to the realization that you might not be doing sports for the rest of your life you, you can't go into the pros or whatever it might be yeah, my size was always had that in the back of my mind that I was way smaller than a lot of professional athletes. So I always kept my options open. I kind of stopped sports my junior year, noticed that this wasn't going to be my way to college or way to my career. So I started, that's when barbering came into place. It went from football to barbering. Yeah. And then I just went full. Full send. And then I'm also interested, when did you give up on, on being a firefighter? Or, like, did you do more research? Yeah, I almost went to SeaTech, which would have been a pivotal point in my life yeah. because that's a two-year program in high school that you go to. And right when you get out, you can be a firefighter. So it would have been happening, like, quick for me. So I decided not to go because I didn't want to miss out on the regular high school experience. Yeah. So you would have missed your junior senior year? Yeah, inside the high school. I would have been at, like, a separate high school. Yeah. And it would have been tough getting to sports. It would have been tough 
just hanging out with friends yeah, inside the school. Yeah. So you realize you didn't want to be a firefighter and then you, you find barbering. Tell, tell me a little bit about how you found barbering and, and how you found this sort of passion that you now hold, hold so close to your heart. It sparked when I was getting a tattoo for like my second time. And I just noticed how cool everybody was in the tattoo shop and how they literally were making great money in the span that I was in there. And they were working for themselves. And it was just a genuine one-on-one interaction. And I felt that's like awesome. I want to be able to do something similar. So barbering somehow came across on YouTube. I just started watching it. And it was just captivating to me. It was something that I fell asleep watching. It was something that I was doing instead of doing my homework. It was just all watching these barber tutorials and anything barber related. Yeah. So when did you when did you tell your mom and dad? Because for me, and then also for Austin, when we told our parents what we wanted to be, um, for both of our parents, I think they looked at us sideways and was like, what? Like, mm-hmm. you, that's a career, or do you want to make that your career? Mm-hmm. They were a little bit confused. So what, what what was your parents' reactions when you told them, hey, I, I'm thinking about being a barber? What were their reactions? What helped me a lot is that I can still remember the day I told my dad I wanted to be a barber. We were just sitting on the couch. I'm like, hey, dad, I think I want to be a barber. He's like, that sounds really cool. That's awesome. And just yeah. it was that at that point, I'm like, yeah. okay. So no matter what I do, I'm going to have some support. And that helped. Yeah, that's awesome. Did he ask any questions of like, how are you going to do that? What's the plan? Did he, did he help guide you in that way? Um, It was mainly on me at that point, but I had the okay. And I had the freedom of talking about it and being passionate around my family. So that was, that was nice to have. Yeah. Not, no restriction. Yeah. So... That was during, you found barbering and you told your parents about it junior year, senior year of high school or after high school? It was my sophomore year, actually, oh, because wow. I always get that messed up because I graduated my junior year. I wanted to graduate early to go to barber college. So it was sophomore year. And That's then, crazy. Yeah, within that year, I had to decide I want to graduate high school year early and go to barber school. How, how the heck did you graduate high school early? Like... Thanks to Reynoldsburg, <laughs> <laughs> because I had more credits than the average person that went through the regular schooling. So, so yeah, so you transfer high schools. The high school that you credits. were at before was basically their their classes gave you more credits than the high school that you went to. Yeah. Okay, I understand now. Um, so you skip uh, your senior year, you graduate your junior year. What's the first step for someone who wants to be a barber? Have your GED or a diploma. Call the school. I'm sorry. Whatever school is close. Get that. You keep going. Yeah, definitely. Whatever school is close, get into contact with them and go for it. And just know it's going to be a self-reliant path for you, and it's going to be a self-reliant journey. And that's, that's all I say. If you have any aspiration to be a barber, talk to me. Hit me up, and we'll talk, and I'll... I won't steer you in the wrong direction. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so you got your GED, you go to barber school. What's barber school like? And, and what's your first reactions to barber school? My first reaction was I walked in and 
everybody was looking at me. Like, it's just like a very, it's kind of like high school in a way. Once you get into it, it's like clicky. You know, everybody's got their click and people will, you know, test what you're made of and see where you came from and see if you got any skills. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. So what, like, what is the structure of barber school? Because I've wondered about this ever since I, I heard that you went to barber school. From from A to B, what sort of do they teach you, and what do they bring to you when you you first enter? Is it structured? They, is it structured almost like high school, or or is it different? It's similar. You have about two classes a day for a couple hours, and it's just over the book that they give you, and it's introductory to barbering, and you go one through sixteen, and that's theory classes. Then you have your practical, which is usually one practical, one theory. Yeah. So, so explain a little bit about what, like, what exactly goes into practical and what actually goes into to theory. What's the difference between those two classes? In theory, you're learning out, learning out of the book. So they're going to teach you all the science behind cutting hair, all the sanitary rules, all the things you have to know to pass the test to get your license. And then practical is practical. You start working with shears. You start working with clippers. You start cutting up mannequin heads and like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I always wondered about that too. Cause it's like, how, how do they find the vol- volunteers to like go into a barber school and get their haircut? Cause for me, it was always like, I would never do that. Like I would never let somebody who's inexperienced cut my hair. So like, what was your experience when people started to come in and you had to cut their hair? What was your experience of that? Like, well, it's cheap. First off, <laughs> it's, it's very cheap to get yeah. your haircut. And there are, very skillful barbers in the barber school that maybe got caught cutting in a shop without their license and maybe this was sent to school to get these hours done and there's people who's been cutting since they're 12 years old who just decided to get their license and due to life instances and they just started to get it professional now yeah so you start your your practical your theory stuff how long is barber school if you go every day it's 1800 hours it took me 10 months okay yeah <laughs> what when, when was the first point where you're like like dang i'm really doing this and like what what was sort of your your thoughts as you went through barber school one thought that i always had was am i shop ready am i getting ready to go into i thought of the nicest shop i could think of and just try to prepare for that shop and that was like a standard I had. And whenever it came close to the ending of school, I had to kick it in gear because I wasn't where I wanted to be. Yeah. So I was had to remember that and say I need to get on my stuff and make sure I'm at least ready to go into a shop and cut 10 people a day. Yeah. The first person you cut, what was that like? And, and I, I'm sure it was, was it at home? <laughs> yes. Yeah. In, in a small bathroom. <laughs> One clipper, no guards, one comb, bad haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a terrible movie. Uh, oh. <laughs> and what, what, so what was your reactions to when you saw your first cuts? Like when you, when you sat back and you looked at someone you cut, what was your first thoughts? I need to get him back in the chair and fix this. <laughs> <laughs> And you explained this before me uh, to me when, before we jumped on the podcast, uh, and I, I I said to you 
um, basically the way you feel about barbering in the beginning was exactly the way I feel about editing. And you said, you know, I, the first couple haircuts, I was like, man, I'm really bad at this. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it, this sucks. And I feel like for me, it was the same way. Is like I edit the first couple of videos and I realized like, man, this is not turning out how I thought it would. What was your thought and how did you combat that? Like, how did you combat thinking like this didn't turn out the way it was? This didn't turn out how I would like it. What did you do to combat that? I knew I had time, so I just gave myself a little bit of lenience and was patient with myself and wasn't in too big of a hurry to get great. Just practicing and getting better each haircut was the key. Yeah. Just say get better each haircut. You know, my haircut's not where I wanted to be, so let me do better next time. I kept that as fuel because I don't want to give up if I'm not where I want to be yet. Yeah, for sure. So then you go through barber school, you graduate barber school. What is it like for a barber who graduates barber school? What's the next step after that? You got to find a shop owner that you're, you don't mind working for. You got to find a shop that fits your persona yeah. and where you see yourself spending time, your day and your career. Give us that story. How, how did you find that shop? The shop owner came to the school and said, I like the way you cut. I like your, I like your swag. You should check out my shop. Yeah. It's down here in the short north where it was really where I wanted to be in Columbus. And that was a, I went up there and I was the only barber in the shop at that time. Yeah. So you go into the shop. What What's like your first, give me like your first couple of weeks in the shop. What Were people looking at you sideways? Were people not expecting you to be good? What was it? It was a lot of sitting around and just watching the the owner cut hair so i could just learn pick up tricks pick up how he runs his business and then not necessarily duplicate but get in order with the professionalism and that kind of thing yeah so tell us a little bit about then going in and cutting your first hair at that shop um so you're past barber school you're in a shop that someone's expecting a real haircut Give us a little bit of your reactions to, to that situation. I knew I was ready, but I knew I wasn't someone paying me $25 and come back bi-weekly good yet. Yeah. And that was a hard process to go through because that's kind of thinking down on yourself and not being all the way confident, but I've just always kept it really realistic. Yeah. And but I had a lot of cool clients who were very appreciative, knew I was beginning, and knew I'm young, I'm 19. So they were very cool about that fact that I'm still learning. There's a client that's that's cool and that's good about it. Give us the client, because you talked about this before the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give us the client that's not so cool about it. Give us the client that, you know, the bad one. Let's hear a little bit of that. Yeah, some clients will see that you're nervous right off the bat. And that nervous energy carries over to your client and then it's going to be an awkward experience. So, and they're going to be, people aren't just whatever about their hair. People care about their hair and you just got to do your best and do what they say, do it to the best of your capabilities. And whatever happens after that is, is that, but yeah, I've had people not want to get their hair cut by me and all these things. So, so then give us some tips for a barber who who might be going in that 
in that direction. Um, what's the tip for, for handling a bad client? What should someone do? Be humble and the customer. I won't say the customer is always right because that's not the case, but you have to treat it as if that is that way. And I don't think a lot of people, is that, that what you just said, the customer is always right. I don't think a lot of people like want that to be the case. And I don't think a lot of people mm-hmm. like when they go out and start their own business or they work somewhere, they don't want to follow that rule. And it's hard to follow that rule. And I, I mean, I understand a, a little bit because I'm, I've made peop, uh, videos for people before and they're like, I don't, I don't like this or that. And you don't necessarily agree with them, but how do you put that aside? You're not, it's not your product. They're paying for it. So you have to give them what they pay for. Exactly. That's exactly the way I feel about it too. Mm-hmm. It's like you're, you're doing this creative service for somebody and, and although you, you may think it should be a certain way, you sort of have to put your, your pride aside and, and think like, well, they're paying me money to do this. So yes. if I was paying money at Walmart to get an Arizona, I'm expecting an Arizona. So give me an Arizona. Give me an like, Arizona. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't <laughs> give me anything else. <laughs> yeah. So I get that 100%. Um, now as you go into like recent years of being a barber or recent months of being a barber, what's your next steps? My next step is to get my days fully booked and get great with my time, get great with, I want to promote more as well. I want to get more interactive on my social media because I've been to shows and I really don't have too much to show for it besides what's in here and what I've learned there. So I want to be able to transmute what I know out there and help, Upcoming barbers help, you know, anybody who's got a question. Yeah, this is a good step in the right direction, actually. So yeah. if, if someone was just like you, what, what would you say to someone who's in high school, they don't know what their next step is in life, but they're thinking about being a barber? What would you say to them? Make sure it's really what you want to do. Don't take any, like, negative feedback because a lot of people don't know what they want to do. Yeah. So don't be swayed by opinions by people who – may not have your best interest or don't even know what they want out of their own life. If you know what you want, go after it. I've had a lot of friends who just exactly how you described, they know what they think they know what they want out of life and they get persuaded out of it. And it frustrates me so much because it's like, excuse me, you don't ever know what that's going to be like unless you try. You you have no idea what that future holds for you or entails for you if you don't even take a whack at it. And, And that, that truly frustrates me so much because I've seen friends who've had great potential who, who've who wasted that potential because they let someone else get in their head. They let someone else that say, oh, you won't be good enough for that or you can't do that or, or laugh them off. And yeah, it, it's so frustrating to me. So now in your career, you, you talked a little bit about, you know, what's the next step for a barber, what barber should be doing, what barber should be investing in. For you personally, what is that? What what should you be invested in in what are you interested in in the next few years? Investing in myself yeah. and investing in my craft, investing in classes, investing in new tools, anything to grow my business, yeah. basically. Yeah. Is is barbering something that, because I feel like for people who, especially for people who come from, let's say, not the greatest neighborhoods. For me and for, for my brothers and stuff, it's always been like, oh, hey, you're going to go to the dude down the street. He knows how to cut hair and you're just going to get your hair cut. For you, is it more of an art form? Is it more of a craft for you? And, and if so, like explain that a little bit. It absolutely is just more than that to me because each 
you can be as detailed as you want to be on each haircut. You can give as much as you want to give on each haircut. You can work on all areas as it is. So if you want to be a better person, it's yeah. going to carry over in your career. Yeah. yeah. And that, definitely. that definitely helped. Definitely. Chad, there's a couple of questions I always ask my guests when they come on the podcast. Um, and so I'll start off with the first one. What is your definition of success? Having one first, That's having hard. a, cause you can't determine success if it's not already established in your mind, what you want to be. That's successful is being what you thought out to be. Being that person. Yeah. Self-awareness. Yeah. That's huge. I think a lot of people, it, exactly like you just said, a lot of people want to rush into, Oh, what am I going to do with my life? But they don't even know themselves yet. Like they mm -hmm. don't know what they're good at. They don't know what they could be good at. They don't even know any of their interests. So. Yeah. Find that out first. Yeah. You know, try things, find out what you like to do and the world today, you can do anything. Yeah. You can make a money doing it, anything. Yeah. So be passionate about it. That's a great message. The next question, um, what's the toughest thing to you about being 20? Another time. Not being taken as serious as you would be if you were um, the same age as the person. Oh, my gosh. Referring that you may not know anything or think you know everything when that's just your youthful self wanting to learn wanting to be passionate that's um you just that's exactly you took the words out of my mouth uh for most of the time the way i answer this question is exactly the same way it's the the frustrating part of knowing that you can do just as good or even kind of better than someone older than you but them just not taking you as seriously because of your age then thinking like because you don't have as much experience as me, you're not going to be good at this. Or you have not, to like leave those people yeah, behind. Yeah. Sadly, mm -hmm. definitely. And it, it sometimes it's hard because sometimes those people are, are bosses in your life or their family, you know, peers, family, even. Yeah, exactly right. It's so difficult when you're young to sort of put those feelings aside because they're people older than you. They're authority figures. But exactly like you just said, you you kind of have to ignore those thoughts and ignore those those people telling you you can't do. The, the next big thing because you're so young right you know you have to respect their opinion but at the end of the day respectfully i'm going to do what i want to do yeah. definitely I, especially as you get into like this is what i'm going to do for the rest of my life like this right. is my career i think and when you know what it takes to get to where you want to be and they act as if you have no idea the hard work it takes that that can be a frustrating thing definitely. to be on the the end of that Definitely. Yeah. Uh, the last question I'll go with here then. What do you think is the biggest tip for someone who is, let's say, 18? What's the biggest tip for them to be successful in their early 20s? Move quick. You know, move quick. Don't do the things that normal kids your age are doing. It's going to take more sacrifice than just thinking about it. You really got to sacrifice your time some of your friends relationships and know what and go after it and learn pick up books read <laughs> dude you're t you're taking the words right out of my mouth especially when you just said you got to sacrifice because i think i think a lot of people like to say like oh dude i'm working hard i'm dedicated i'm sacrificing but they don't real they aren't really there 
That yeah, you can talk it. And you gotta walk it. You can you can send out your tweets and be on Instagram talking about um working hard, but I don't think a lot of people know exactly what hard work is. Hard work is not fun. Like it it can be fun if you're doing what you're doing for the rest of your life and you enjoy it. If it's fun, you're not doing it right. Yeah, but there's also the point of like you have to grind some stuff out when you mm-hmm. wanna be successful at something. When I, a lot of people are like, Oh, podcasting, that's easy. Vlogging, that's easy. Dude, the, you don't understand the the hours of work that goes in behind it. Barbering, oh, that's easy. You just cut people's hair. It's not that hard. You don't understand the hours of practice and the hours of reading and, and perfecting mm-hmm. the craft that went behind that. Right. And to me, that's sort of the biggest thing when you're young. You don't want to sacrifice your time. You don't want to sacrifice the parties, the hanging out with friends, doing other stuff that, that you could be doing in order to be successful at a career. Because mm-hmm. you don't see really the, the light of it yet. When, when you're 17, 18, 19, you don't really see like, Oh, this is very important. Like this, this is the rest of my life. Because honestly, I think one of the reasons I started this podcast was a lot of people don't understand that what you do in your early to mid twenties is really what's going to decide the rest of your life, which is insane to think about. Yes, wow. Like this five to ten years can decide who I am when I'm thirty, forty, fifty, sixty. Yeah, think about that one. Yeah, it's it's a huge thing to be worrying about, and I don't think you necessarily need to worry about it. But I do think, like just like you said. You have to sacrifice, and if you want something, you have to go and get it. Um, so thank you so much for coming, Chad. This has been a great episode. Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, we got a, we got a ton of info in. Um, thank you guys for watching. As always, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and all other podcast services. Uh, do me a favor and please subscribe and click the notification bell uh, for more content. Thank you so much for watching. Once again, I'm Jared Morero with Before You 30, and goodbye. Yeah, it was fun.